Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff form going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick were all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the 49er Faithful UK Show. Right, welcome back, guys. We're now into week six, and we travel all the way over to Green Bay to Lambeau Field for what is going to prove to be a difficult game, I think. This week has been a fairly quiet week as, as far as news coming out of Santa Clara is concerned. Not entirely sure whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing. Obviously, we're all still smarting a bit from Sunday night's loss against the Cardinals, uh, which should never have been a loss. That may have played into the whole, the week's been a really long week, it's been quiet, mainly because we're all feeling down about the way things happened. Um, but it's now it's now time to look forward to the next game, because it's any given Sunday, and each Sunday could be different. So, first of all, we'll have a look at the injury report, and I, <laughs> I've got to admit, it doesn't look particularly good, the injury report. Uh, so, deep breath. <laughs> yeah, I mean... You're looking at five players on on each different designation, so did not practice. We've got Breda and Garcon, both with a shoulder and ankle injury, that haven't practiced this week. We've got Pettis, Richburg and Staley, all with knee injuries, haven't practiced this week. And then the limited participation, you've got Garrick Selleck with a quad injury, you've got Foster with a shoulder injury, Kittle with a knee injury, Sherman, Calf and Ward with a hamstring. So we do look like a beaten-up team at the moment. Obviously, that's not to say that any of those are out, apart from Pettis, who I think has already been ruled out of this, this Sunday's game. So all of those could theoretically play, including Breda. And I think out of all of them, Breda's probably the key person that we can't afford not have playing on Sunday. Yeah, definitely Breda's the key to it all. Um, Trent Taylor, I've also heard this morning, is suffering with a back injury. So potentially he could be out um and mike persons was also limited in practice as well so it's uh it's very grim reading <laughs> yeah very grim indeed um and it's funny because i mean monday one of the positives that i, I said on monday as a tongue-in-cheek positive was that we came out without any injuries um obviously that was injuries on the field that were clear problems for our players um, but it appears that we took a lot more knocks than what I actually thought we'd taken. Um, so that 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 was one of my positives gone from Monday's podcast. Mm. So stats-wise, believe it or not, both teams look fairly evenly matched on paper. There's a couple of areas where there's a distinct difference. That's with points allowed. And the Packers' defence are only 13th with points allowed, whereas we 29th. We were allowing a lot more points on the board. Um, and also with pass defence, the Packers are looking very good. They currently have the second-rated pass defence, averaging only 208 yards per game, whereas the 49ers are 15th with 253 yards per game. So looking at the matchup. It could be a really good game to watch. It, it could go either way. It, it could be a high-scoring game. It could be a really low-scoring game. Um, to be honest, I don't think it's going to be either for both teams. I, I think one team will score high, the other team's going to score low. And we'll wait until the predictions at the end before I tell you which one's which. Mm. But 
yeah I, I wouldn't give up too much hope that we could pull off a Lions game on them um, the Lions obviously beat them last week on their own turf so that makes a difference obviously playing on your, your home venue we're obviously playing away at Lambeau which is always a difficult place to go and play but you can never you can never say never no those stats make it look more like it would be an even matchup on paper more than it probably will be on the field I would say this is the way that those statistics line themselves up against each other right now. Yeah, definitely. So the league rankings, so we had this problem last week, or I'm saying problem. When you look at the re league rankings on the matchup and then take each individual stat against itself, then there's a slight there's a slight discrepancy between the way the NFL.com matchup shows the the ranking opposed to the individual component as the ranking. Um, and, I, and I'm not entirely sure which one's the best to use on that. Mm. Um, so currently, we have the fourth best rushing offense. But when you have a look at the league rankings in the matchup, it's saying that we've got the third best. So it's one ranking out. And I wonder if they realise this. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned this last week, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just strange that it's just one ranking out okay. on, on pretty much all of the uh, stats. So, obviously, going up against Green Bay, we've got Aaron Rodgers, who is a formidable quarterback, if if not the best quarterback in the league. Um, I know he has his injury problems, but if you give him half-decent weapons, he is absolutely excellent. There's no denying that. And I think this year... He's got a really good O-line. He's got an excellent left tackle in Bakatari. Um, inside, you've got the centre, Corey Lindsley. He's having a really good game. He's been consistent in his four or five seasons uh, in the league. Um, and when you look at that, you look at the left tackle, you look at the centre, you look at the other players, the guards and the right tackle as well. We haven't had much of a pass rush coming into this game. And I'll be honest... I'm not expecting that to change at all on Monday night. No. Uh, Bakhtiari was actually uh, named this week as PFF's uh, best performing left tackle in the NFL. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he's uh, he's obviously doing very well this season. Uh, needs to be to try and keep Aaron Rodgers on his feet because uh, Rodgers is suffering with injuries at the minute. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, even with... Um, the injuries that Green Bay have got at wide receiver, you know, I think they're looking at the minute, they've got Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison are possibly out of Monday's game. So they're they're lining up with uh, three rookie wide receivers out there, I think, at the minute. And the uh, their timing didn't look particularly great in the last game. And, and I think Rogers even said that in his post-game interview after the game. Right, is Devontae Adams out? Uh, no, Adams, I believe, should be back for this game on Monday. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought, because in, yeah. in my notes I've got uh, it should be an intriguing matchup between Adams and Sherman, uh, and that's who yeah. I think Sherman would cover, Devontae Adams. Yeah, I would so, have thought so. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. And an, another uh, a rookie wide receiver, so one of the three that you've mentioned there, Equiminas St. Brown. Yeah, I'm, great I'm, name. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing him playing, because I had him down on my draft board going to the Niners. Okay. He, he's a tall, quick wide receiver. And I thought he could be that 
uh, red zone type target that we need. Yeah. I, I, I think he comes in at uh, six foot four, six foot five. He, he's quite a tall player. Yeah, so I'm, I'm interested to see how he performs. Yeah, and they've obviously still got Jimmy Graham as well. And if you take away Jimmy Graham's stats against his old NFC South opponents when he was um, with the Saints, the next best team or the the team that he performs the best against after those three is actually us. Um, so over the uh, over the seasons that he's been with um, the Saints, Seattle, and now coming into Green Bay, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's killed us in many of those games. And yeah. They've got good pieces on that O line. There, there are. I think if you look at the left guard and the right guard, there are opportunities for the likes of Solomon Thomas to get stuck in and um, get some pass rush in there. But we've we said this the last couple of weeks. We've gone up against a couple of pretty porous O lines, and we've not done anything. When you're coming up against uh, an excellent centre and let's say one of the best left tackles in the league statistically this season. It doesn't particularly bode well for us getting much pressure on, but I do think in the in the left guard and the right guard there are opportunities for the likes of Solomon Thomas and and that to get involved and try and get some pressure on Aaron Rodgers. So there is some form of optimism there, but not much because, like we said last week and the week before, that they, they were you kind of think that if you've got a poor row line and a poor pass rush, in theory the pass rush should probably come off better but we haven't no you're right we, we haven't and you're right about it it doesn't board well for monday night i'd be very surprised if we step up our game against such a good all line when we couldn't have done it against poorer all lines yeah um, you, you mentioned jimmy graham so again jimmy graham i've got down as being a a, a cause for concern for our defense but Huge, yeah. what i have also put is I mean, Jimmy Graham or any other tight end for that matter will cause us issues because we're still not dealing with tight ends very well at all. No, no, um, no, not at all. The, the only way we're going to try, try this is going to sound really bad. The only way we're going to try and, and get anything out of the game on defense is to knock Rogers out of the game. Um, and I, you know, I don't particularly wish, wish that on him. I really like Aaron Rodgers as quarterback. He's fantastic to watch. Uh, great guy. But he has got that knee and leg injury, so he possibly won't be as mobile as he normally is. He's going to be reliant on those tackles and, and his O-line to stand him up. And hopefully he isn't going to be throwing the ball as well as he should be. So I say that there will be chances for the, the D-line to try and get to him, but it's going to be reliant on that Green Bay O-line to try and uh, protect him. And their offense hasn't really clicked yet this season, has it? Like you say, they're averaging 23 points per game. Yeah, and it's pretty much the same on defense. So Rogers also wasn't actually in practice on Thursday, so it does sound like he's struggling. But I would imagine that he's going to uh, he's going to play Monday night. It's Monday night football, isn't it? It's it's live. It's the nation's going to be watching. And the way that Deshaun Kaiser came in for Rogers at, when he uh, had to fill in for him, he was abysmal, wasn't he? So, um, and of course, if that happened. Happens, that means that one of our defensive linemen is actually going to get close enough just to breathe on Rogers. So, <laughs> so I mean, you make a good point there. Rogers is carrying an injury. You're not going to see him not play unless he's had his leg amputated. He, yeah. he likes to play regardless of what the injury is, and sometimes yeah. that's that's to his detriment because I think that's why he's having recurring injuries so much because he he does play on. Mm. With Rogers having the injury, does that give us any? 
more of a chance at creating pressure on him than it would normally. So he's not he's not renowned for being a mobile passer. Oh, sorry, a mobile quarterback. However, he does has his have his moments where he's he can like get Smith, out, isn't he? Yeah, Smith wasn't really the most mobile of quarterbacks, but you give him, you know, you give him space on the outside, and he's he's got a bit of bit of pace to him, and he can get away, and he can he can create first downs, and he, he will go. Well, we saw, we saw it with Alex Smith a number of times, 20, 30, 40 yard runs every so often. This, there's these sort of sneaky quarterbacks, aren't they, that can get away with it if they're really forced into it. But if Rogers does stay fit, Green Bay may well be in a position that this game is so far out of sight that they can pull him potentially just to try and save him to try and sort of uh, keep their season going in in the right direction because at the minute two two and one's probably nowhere near where they thought they would be and where they would want to be but their two two and one is obviously better than our one and four given their injuries yeah I, I really hope that green bear are aren't too far out of uh, sight to, to give them a rest at the end of this game yeah uh, I think hopefully they're probably gonna Oh, sorry, yeah, go on. Yeah, ho- hopefully we'll be able to keep it close going into the fourth quarter. Um, and I'm probably just giving my prediction away here, but I had us down for just a little over a, a touchdown um, defeat. Mm. I think they're going to have to lean on their run game a lot more this week. And their run game this year has been pretty crap, to be perfectly honest. Um, it has, yeah. So... Like I say, we, we had, I think we, last week we sort of highlighted the, obviously the key area. I think the, probably the most key thing for Green Bay is uh, if Rogers stays fit. You know, if Rogers lasts the four quarters, and if they can put up enough points, then it, their you know their game plan is literally going to be all on Rogers. I, I think. Is there any value in playing a larger part, a larger portion of nickel defense? To force, could, to force them to run. Possibly, or you could also argue the other way of just trying to go all out blitz and see what happens and see if you can get to him and, and create that pressure as well. Yeah. It's, you, you look at our defensive backfield as well. You've got Tart and Sherman doing reasonably well. And if you sort of tag them on one side of the field, you've got the other side who are completely underperforming in, in Colbert with a spoon and, and then you've got the likes of Mabin possibly to step in and try and do something there. And if you go to nickel, are you, are you going to put Jimmy Ward out there as well? He's not been particularly great this season, has he? No. So I'm, I'm he going to... He's struggling for options, aren't he? <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to be cheeky because obviously we discussed what the format was going to be today. I'm, I'm going to be cheeky because you've just mentioned Witherspoon and Colbert, and that ties in with the question that was asked by Paul Hope. And Paul Hope had said, what one thing do you want to see from us on Sunday? The one thing I would like to see is Mabin and Exum starting in place of Witherspoon and Colbert. Mm. I mean, I know I've mentioned this before, and Exum isn't a direct replacement for Colbert. He's a direct replacement for Tart. But I think the free safety and the, the the strong safety are fairly interchangeable positions, and I would like to see the the theoretical hot hand of the defense get a chance. Yeah, it's it probably be a good chance to do it with potentially three rookie wide receivers going out there. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's the best chance to try it. Uh, and like I said, it would make more sense to do it this week against Green Bay with that with those wide receivers than it would next week against the Rams, where it be could be an absolute capitulation and anyone possibly could look bad back there. And that could possibly be the worst thing to do would be to chuck someone in against the Rams because you know you, that that. That's just a, a frightening matchup right now. I, yeah, I, it is. I, I'm not looking forward to that game at all. Um, but if if there's one thing that I want to see, I, I'd, I'd probably say there's two, and it's pretty generic. But that would just be to compete and to see progression. There's nothing majorly that I'm looking for from one person. All I want to see in this game is just to compete as long as we can and to see progression in in players. That's that's pretty much where I'm going on on those. All right. Right, so that's that's Green Bay's offense, which everybody knows about. Absolutely fantastic. Is there, is there anything on defense? Anything else on defense from a San Francisco point of view you'd like to see in this game? Because we weren't we weren't exactly terrible last week. We we had a decent game. I mean, we we kept we kept them down to what was it two hundred two hundred and two yards total offense something like that 75 of those were one play yeah 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 i mean those 75 yards on that one play take that one player away from josh rosen the 75 yards and the touchdown um and then what does that end up he ends up with 95 yards for the game 95 yards 23 of 33 completion um and zero touchdowns yeah and you look at that and you think, well, that's absolutely garbage. But that's because our defense kept them to that, and the fact the offense was on the field for so much, for so yeah. long. Yeah, we had no business losing that. Um, and in terms of our defense on on Monday, um, I think we just need to try and blitz them with that line and try and utilize Solomon Thomas in over those guards. Try and minimize the, the likes of Thomas going out in coverage, because um, you, you can't be lining up our defensive lineman against Jimmy Graham and stuff because it's just food and drink all day for someone like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And if, if he's got his injuries, he's just going to take advantage of that all day long. Um, I think we can pretty much minimise their their run game with, with our D-line. Our D-line seems to be performing well against the run. So it's just, it's the pressure. It, it's all about trying to get the pressure and, and minimise the errors. Again, it's uh, minimising the penalties, jumping offside in crucial third downs and things like that it's yeah it's basics again isn't it it's that's that's all I'm looking yeah. for yeah so you, you look on the other side of the ball for Green Bay and we've already mentioned how good the, the Green Bay O-line is the defensive line isn't too bad either they've got a dominant nose tackle in Kenny Clark uh, and if Richburg is fit if, if he plays on Sunday I think he's going to be a nightmare with them. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And then either side of Kenny Clark, you've got Mike Daniels and Dean Lowry, and the pair of them have been having a really good season as well. So I think this is going to be a good test of how good the O-line can actually protect Bethard in a passing down. Yeah, these are more the games that we need to sort of measure ourselves on rather than the sort of uh, disaster zone of, of last week. You can't really measure yourself on on that game last week based on the stats and the time of possession and the amount of plays we ran. 
but I think you can probably measure yourself better against the, these next two two opponents, really. What do you see is the weak point of Green Bay's defense? <sighs> do they have a weak point on their defense? They're, they're doing pretty well. I don't, yeah, I don't know if there are that's, that's, that's why I was asking. Backs. You've got Clay Matthews on, on the line in the linebackers, and then you've got a good defensive line. I don't really see a weak area at all, really, to be perfectly honest. No, I know. I, I struggle with I just with hope that. that Clay Matthews brings a, a blanket and a pillow for every time he gets to CJ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, alongside Matthews, you've got Martinez, who, who's having his best season so far as well. And then at safety, you've got Ha Ha Clinton Dix. I mean, he, he's considered to be elite, and he is. Mind you, he does have his moments as well. He has mm. his moments where he does stupid things, but he is a really good safety. And even a cornerback, you've got a half decent cornerback in Tremont Williams. So it's it. Yeah, you look at their defense and you think, how are we going to do this? We need to run the ball without shadow of a doubt. We need to run it. But if Braid is not going to be playing and we've got Morris and or one of the guys that's being called up from the practice squad, are we going to be as effective running the ball? No. We're averaging, what, five yards a carry at the minute through five games? That's definitely going to come down this week. Um, Alfred Morris, is no. there's no way he can sustain Breeders' hot start. And even if they activate, what's it, Jeff Wilson off the practice squad? Yeah. I mean... He's ran for, what, three 3,200 yards and 30-odd touchdowns for North Texas. He's a good pass receiving running back, but it's asking a lot for for someone like that to come in and, you know, carry your off, you know, literally carry your offense to in a, in a game in, a, in an environment like this. And I, th- I think Morris is, is going to have to shoulder the load, but oh, <laughs> it's... Uh, I'm not holding out much hopes, to be perfectly honest. Morris doesn't have the speed to get to the outside. He, he sort of shows some initial burst, but after that, he looks a bit like me at five-a-side. He's treading water as soon as he gets going. <laughs> <laughs> and is it's uh, I'd like to see juice used in the short short-term get in the short in the short yardage games. Yeah. So I think even the running game is going to show a massive regression this week. The O-line are doing well. In terms of the running game, the protection's pretty good. Uh, you know they're punching big holes, especially on the right hand side again, McGlinchey in person. But with those two both having injuries as well, it's well, I don't know. It's that you know, like I say the Green Bay defensive line is very good, and it's, oh, I don't know. It's just it could get ugly. Yeah, I, I really don't like our chances of running the ball very well. I think I don't think we're going to see CJ throwing the ball dropping back 60-odd times again, but it it might be our only option to to really get, get involved and, and get the ball moving at times. Yeah, I think if we see CJ dropping back and throwing the ball for over 50 times like he did last week, I think we're going to see uh, a few turnovers again. Yeah. And, Unfortunately. And the, the, uh, the injury cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So it turns out with... Uh, that analysis you've just given there that you've answered another one of our questions from Gareth Ellis and Gareth was wondering with Breda being out or if he is out will we see more of Juice running the ball? Only in the short yardage situations I want to see Juice running the ball because I don't think he's got it in him to be getting to the outside 
or any you know sort of fast burst plays through the middle it, that's all going to be on Morris Juice I'd like to be Juice should be getting the ball pretty much every time on third and one or and going for it on fourth and one fourth and you know fourth and two get him stuck into those plays and rather than the, the sort of the obvious draw plays and stuff to, to Morris or the, the obvious plays to Morris behind him or El Mitchell when he lines up at fullback you, you pay, you're paying Juice all this money to be a fullback and occasionally you're, you're seeing a defensive lineman in there well that, that's Juice's job to get in there and, and blow those holes open for him yeah. so I would have Juice doing that only on the short yardage but I'd have him heavily involved again on on the pass game Yeah I mean he has proven to be very useful in that that game situation um, I would actually say he's been more useful than our slot receiver this season yeah, Trent, he has been. Yeah. yeah, Trent Taylor hasn't been targeted as much as what I would expect him to be, especially with the way he finished last season. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think uh, Jimmy ended up with a quarterback rating of 147 on third down when targeting Trent Taylor, which yeah. was an unbelievable stat. So, yeah, I'm quite surprised that Taylor hasn't been used as much, but I think that's because Juice is getting used more in that type of role. Yeah. So apart from the the obvious thing that we want to see improved on the the offense, which is cut out the turnovers, mm. is there anything else that you're expecting to see or would like to see from the offense? I would like to see CJ being a little bit more savvy in the pocket. If he can start stepping up rather than standing at his final drop point, he'll get better and he'll remain safer and he'll get hit less and he'll turn the ball over less. And that'll give it that'll buy him an extra second or so to throw the ball as well. I know he's holding on for too long, but he needs to get a feel for that environment that he gets into. You, you can't sort of be blinkered and say, right, I'm seven step drop, I'll get back seven steps and then stay there. That's when you go back your seven steps and then you're going through your progressions and you're looking. Then that's when you've got to have a feel for what's going on around you and step forward into that. And that, again, that's coachable. But that Green Bay, like we said, that Green Bay defensive line is very good. So. If they consistently get to him, then that's as good as game over for me. So do we think that CJ needs to do a better job of identifying what the defence is going to do and sliding the protection accordingly? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And if he gets pressure at the middle, that's it could get really, really ugly because that, that's obviously been one of the strong points as well where we've not had guys... A lot of the pressure's come around the outside, hasn't it? And he's been at the point of the drop where you know where he's come back in on his uh, his steps yeah, back. Yeah. So if it starts coming through the middle, it, it it's it's going to be really bad. But I think we're going to have to minimise throws over twenty yards. It's going to be more screens, dump off, shovels, quick slants, and that's pretty much going to be the main way that we're going to move the ball in this game. And I I think if we line up with our twenty one personnel, I mean you've got Juice out there and you've got Kittle out there, that's pretty much our strongest situation. Over you know or what we what we can put out there with the personnel that we've got available to us. So obviously we need to get those checkdowns working. We need to get them working regularly because if you're outfield or if you sorry if you're downfield options aren't there, then I think you know our chances of getting again Juice and Kittle and possibly even Selleck and Taylor or even Richie James, whoever's going to be in the slot, that gives them the chance for those guys to have decent games and keep moving the chains. But we're going to have to disguise it as well because obviously there was a lot of screens and stuff going on last week and Green Bay are obviously going to be prepared for that. Yeah. And it, so they're going to have to disguise it well. They're going to have to give different looks and things to, to make it work. But 
I think if, if we've not got Goodwin out there and we definitely haven't got Pettis out there, we've not got any way of sort of stretching the field or taking the top off of the defence. So they're constantly going to be looking for anything in that line of scrimmage area or even behind the line of scrimmage or just across the line of scrimmage that, you know, as to where the ball's going to actually be going. And it could be a bigger role for Richie James if Trent Taylor's out. And I'd, I'd, I'd welcome that as well because... Yeah. We need to we need to start having a look at these players now. It's never too early to start having a look and see what you've got out there. If Richie James can come in and play eight, nine, ten games, and he shows himself to be worthy of, you know, playing for the San Francisco 49ers at the end of the day, then that's one less player that you're looking for in the draft and in free agency. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. So on the Offense side of the ball, I've gone with a similar thought line as what I did with defense. And if Goodwin is healthy, I would actually like to see Bourne play opposite Goodwin rather than Garcon. I know Garcon's had some injury problems, but he's just not catching the ball. The injuries aren't his hands, and he's just not catching that ball. And for the money we pay him and the experience he's got, he should be doing a hell of a lot better than what he's doing at the moment. So, yeah, yeah I, I would love to see Kendrick Bourne come on and play opposite Goodwin if Goodwin is healthy. Yeah, we're not going to learn anything at some point, or probably from this stage forward now. We're not going to learn anything with Garcon out there. Bourne is probably, at best, a number three, number four option on most NFL defences. Oh, sorry, defences? Offences. But if... Um, if he can be as good enough to be our number four, let's at least have, like I say, with Richie James, let's have a look at him for eight, nine games starting. What's the worst that can happen? He can't surely drop as many balls as what Garcon has so far this season. Yeah, yeah, definitely, which is why I would like to see him ha- have more reps than what uh, Garcon's getting. Or sh- yeah, or you, have say- to, you have to start thinking about next season already. The, the, yeah. the way it's going, this this season is... is as good as done really and we are in self-assessment and evaluation processes now and we're not going to learn anything by Garcon starting the next 10 games Is it Garcon or is it Paul Garson? Paul Garson, yeah <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Tamer Bruce Yeah, I think I'm sticking with Paul Garson <laughs> Right So we've had some questions in the group okay. um, I'll kick off with the first one from and apologise if I get anybody's name pronounced incorrectly. Uh, so the first one was Graham McKittrick. What three sides of the ball will turn up this week? The good, the bad, or like last week, the ugly? Now, my answer is actually none of those. <laughs> my answer is probably a fourth. I think an indifferent team will turn up this week. And are we going to decide this? Rock, paper, scissors, toss a coin, three-sided coin? It's It's difficult... It's a difficult question to answer. <laughs> oh, so, man. yeah, I mean... It'd probably be the same as you, a little bit of everything and not much of everything, or maybe a little bit of everything and not, not much good of everything because I think we should score points, but Green Bay is a good defence. Our defence potentially could stifle Rodgers, but probably not enough to stop them winning. And it's meant to be blooming cold out there on Monday, so... It, could be a tough game for the kicking of special teams as well. So I think I would answer this question in, as a three-parter. So I would hope the ugly doesn't turn up. Mm. I hope the good does turn up. If the bad does turn up, 
I hope it only looks bad because Green Bay was so good. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best way I could answer that question because it is a difficult question to to answer that one. Yeah, there's probably going to be some of everything out there. It, it's yeah. uh, if you'd if you'd have asked that if we'd have had that question last week, we'd have said, "Well, the good's going to turn up, and it's going to be good all the way around." And the good pretty much was there for most of it. It was just the turnovers that let us down, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the ugly. It was the ugly. Yeah, and, and let's face it, when Gould misses a field goal, you know something's not right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something in the water. Right. So on to our next question, Gerald Rail. He is based up in Norway with the U.S. Army Marine Corps, I believe. Sorry. Okay. Um, hopefully I've gotten that right. I think he is in the Marines. And he asked, is Joe, Joe Staley's knee injury affecting his stopping the pass rush? Well, he's, he's been uncharacteristically giving up penalties last week, wasn't it? The two. They may yeah. be contributing to it, but like we've just said, really, CJ needs to do better in there as well, doesn't he? Staley's... He'll always take one for the team. And I think he's, he's the mentality that he's got that leadership ability, hasn't it? It'll take more than a knee injury to keep him out and, and underperform. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think it's a big contribution. I mean, you look at his penalties this year. All right, he's had three penalties this year, which is what he had in 15 games last year. And he hasn't had more than three since 2014, of which he had yeah. seven, of five of which of those were declined. So... Yeah, he's slightly ahead of where he probably normally would be. So, and to maintain that average, he needs to go the rest of the year without committing one. But he's yeah. played with injuries in the past as well, hasn't he? Do you remember that game? Oh, when was it? About 20, oh, 2013, 2014, we played the Rams and he went down with an injury and he yeah. screamed like a... So well, that was, was, that was like the game kid, I was at. That, that oh, was my was, very yeah, first was, yeah. candlestick game. Yeah, and he screamed like a kid. And what he said afterwards, he said, oh, don't worry about it. I always do that when I get an injury. They're never yeah. normally too bad. Yeah. It's just he's a bit of a screamer. And he was back out there the, the game after. Didn't miss yeah. a game that season. Yeah, so, but, yeah, I don't think it's particularly affecting it. I think it's more on CJ and, and Jimmy's, Jimmy not throwing the ball away as to why. I yeah, don't think I, there's I been a particular with problem with Staley's pass protection this season. No, you're right. I, I and think if you look at the way he's been down Monday, blocking as well, he's been beasting it downfield, hasn't he? He has, yeah. He looks pretty healthy when he's 20 yards deep downfield, pushing tight ends out, out of bounds. Yeah, he's been getting far too much cardio in. Yeah, hasn't he? So, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's anything to that. I think he's just, he had a bad week last week, a little bit uncharacteristic of him. Yeah, I don't, I don't right. see it being a problem personally. So, the next question... I think this is going to be a difficult question to answer as well. Um, and this question is from Ray Paul. How much better would we be doing if Jimmy was quarterback? Considering the many other injuries and mistakes, would we have actually won any games? Yes. I yeah. think we'd be three and two. Because he would have made the Chargers and the Cardinals game into victories. Yeah, I, I, I think, think you're right there. Yeah, There were a lot of missed opportunities in that Chargers game, which he probably gets. And he probably doesn't throw that second pick uh, against Arizona. Yeah. And let's face it, with with Jimmy doesn't play cornerback. Jimmy doesn't miss tackles as a linebacker. And he obviously still has the same receivers who drop passes week after week and problems on the O-line. But I, I think if Jimmy plays, we're 3-2 and two right now. And we probably go into this game much more optimistic than probably the way it sounds our predictions are going to go. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree with all of that. Next question from Andrew Hodgson. Do you think we will see Jeff Wilson promoted from the practice squad if Breda can't go on Monday? Probably. And again, with what I said earlier, what do we have to lose at this point? As yet, we haven't signed a veteran. That we, I think we've had, what, five or six in this week? So, again, with the season of assessment going on, let's have a look. He scored 16 touchdowns in 11 games last year. He's a bit slow, and he has had ball security issues. He fumbled pretty much once every 30-odd carries um, in college. So, Yeah, I would uh, agree with that as well. Um, do you know what, uh, though? The one thing, that Jeff Wilson, he doesn't sound like a running back, does he? He doesn't. He sounds Jeff like a wide Wilson receiver. Like a kicker or something, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kickers are people too, you know, Brian. Yeah. But I think if he, he, he's, uh, from what I, I mean, I must admit, I barely know, you know, all this is sort of things I've watched on YouTube and stuff. I wouldn't really know much about the kid, to be perfectly honest. But he seems to fit that versatile mould that Shanahan likes. Yeah, and you, know, you look at some of the running backs we've had in this week. We've worked out Shane Vereen, Chakandrick West, Jeremy McNichols, Andre Ellington, and we've put Matthew Days, or we signed him onto the practice squad, haven't we? And there's some, there's some quite interesting names there. Vereen, I like him. He was a cow bear. Yeah, I like and, Vereen. Yeah, I'm surprised but, he's not on the roster. Yeah, I mean, when he played for the Giants, so I had, I had him in one of my fantasy teams when he played for the Giants, and he actually got us more points through the air than he did on the ground because yeah. they used him in the same way as what I think they intended to use McKinnon. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, that was he was a pass-catching back. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I was kind of I was happy when I saw Vereen's name on there. He's definitely not a running back that's going to get you 100 yards a game, but his pass-catching ability shouldn't be overlooked, especially in Shanahan's offence. Yeah, I think he's a good scheme fit, personally. And yeah. he, his sort of career tailed off a bit last year with the Giants, but he was always, I mean, this is easy to say, he was always very good at, with New England. But again, he had, you've got, I know you've got Tom Brady and you had Garoppolo throwing him the ball at times, but yeah, he just seemed like, I was surprised that he wasn't at a team. He's just one of those players that when, when I saw him come in, I was like, well, you know, I, I just assumed he would be, Sort of buried somewhere on on a you know on the roster in the AFC somewhere that we haven't seen yet. But um, and then McNichols, he was on the on the team through camp, wasn't he? Yeah. So I would imagine we probably we know what he's all about. He was obviously with the Buccaneers, wasn't he? And he went, he was on Hard Knocks and stuff. Yeah, Snoop Dogg's think, nephew, wasn't it? Yeah, I think Andre Ellington spent time with us in the off season as well. And again, he's all, he's a running back that always seemed to show flashes and then disappeared. He's a bit sort of like a lightning in a bottle type player wasn't he yeah yeah and charkandrick west again what happened to him he he kind of burst onto the scene in 2015 as a back and spelling for jamal charles in kansas city when charles was injured and he's done nothing since and i just wonder why he's not ended up anywhere i don't know whether he's had injury problems or concussions or something like that but he was he seems to be a good system fit for us as well because he can get you know good outside run he's got good pace he's a good pass catcher so yeah, a little bit confused on that one. And obviously, we've signed Days to the practice squad. Yeah. Um, from what NC State, ten touchdowns, nearly twelve hundred yards in twenty sixteen was a seventh round pick for the Browns. He can return kicks and he can catch the ball. So again, he seems to fit the mould for Carl once again. So to answer that question in a very long winded way, I think yeah, Wilson will probably come up, and I would imagine he's probably going to see the field at some point. Like I say, what have we got to lose? And then days, I would imagine, probably go on to the practice squad and possibly might stay there until Monday. 
Uh, although if Breeder's not good to go, we might see them both come up, possibly. Yeah. But it'd be so, nice to have someone who can contribute in both past and the run game. Cause, definitely. Um, I think even more important than that, they need to have the ability to pick up the blitz because we saw Morris blown up a couple of times last week and a guy of his size shouldn't really be overpowered quite as easy as he was. Yeah. So just a point of note about the practice squad. Um, th this is something I had to look up this morning because I wasn't sure if there was a deadline to actually promote a player from the practice squad. Mm. As it turns out, that there's no real deadline. You can actually do it an hour before the game starts. That hour is when you designate who's active, who's inactive. So as long as you've called mm. them up an hour before the game, you can do that. But there is a condition. If you call up somebody from the practice squad, if you promote them, you have to pay them the minimum salary for three weeks. So even if you call them up this week and then stick them, cut them, and then re-sign them to the practice squad, they still get three weeks minimum wage, NFL minimum. That, that's okay. one of the stipulations of calling somebody up from the practice squad. So, yeah, I mean, come Monday night, we could still be waiting for news that we've called Jeff Wilson up from the practice squad, and it, it might come at the, the very last hour. So I think they'll give themselves as much time as possible to decide whether or not it's going to be Jeff Wilson or Dears. Mm -hmm. Right, so on to the last question in the group, and this is from Neil Jepsen. With the number one pick in the 2019 draft, <laughs> the 49ers select what, what position? <laughs> so that's not a straightforward question, Neil. This can have many different answers, so we have to base this off assumptions. So there's obviously going to be some pass rush available in free agency. It might not be the pass rush that we want. So if we don't pick anybody up in free agency, I would expect us to go for the pass rush as our number one pick mm -hmm. in the 2019 draft. If we do pick somebody up in free agency that fills that need, I'm, I'm torn between a true number one wide receiver or an elite cornerback. Obviously, you just can't pick an elite cornerback because they're all potential when they come out of college. But you can pick up the number one cornerback in the draft if we have a high enough draft pick. And the way things are looking, we probably is going to be picking anywhere between... I'm not going to say number one. I, I think come the end of the season, we're more than likely going to have a pick somewhere between four and eight. Mm. I've got to admit, I'm not even thinking about the draft at the minute. I'm trying to enjoy the season for what, what's left of it and, and well, what's left of us anyway. Um, free agency is going to come before then. There's a number of options that we can go for. And I'd probably be more inclined to get our pass rush in free agency and just we've potentially got loads and loads of cap room next year. And you look at some of the names out there and, and the fact that we've struck out on our D-line picks of late, and yeah, some of those are bulky's picks, and, but Solomon Thomas was obviously Shanahan and Lynch's guy. You've got, uh, some of these guys probably aren't going to be there, but you've, you know, you've got like Demarcus Lawrence, Jadavian Clowney, Brandon Graham, Geno Atkins, and Trey Flowers and that. I think you go out and get yourself, just pay pay the earth for someone. Look at what Khalil Mack's done, I know I mentioned this before, you look at what Khalil Mack's done in Chicago since he's gone there. He's, what a player. Yeah. If you can go out and get someone like that in free agency, potentially a wide receiver as well, then yeah, you, you go and get your cornerback or something in in the top of the draft. But 
to with the amount of money that we're going to have, I, I think we need to sort of roll the dice in this off season and really go for it. And uh, we need to really turn this round now. We've sort of uh, spent far too long in the doldrums with uh, under the sort of York ownership, haven't we? It, it's time to, we've got to, you've got to go all in at some point. And I think the way that free agents shaping up and, and with the, the talent that appears to be coming out of college this year, obviously nothing is a given or a certain with any of these guys that come out as, as we seem to see more than, more than most with some of our draft picks. I think we've got to roll the dice and pretty much, you know, like I say, put our chips in the mid, middle of the table and go for it. Look at what's, look at the way it's turned around in from St. Louis into, into LA. It, I mean that they're, they're they are all in, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And and Seattle did it a few few years ago with in 2012, 2013 when they give the likes of Michael Bennett and all those players one year contracts. They pretty much said, right, here we go. We're going to go all in for one season and then we'll work out what we're doing after that. But if you come and join us this year, we're going to win a Super Bowl. And they did it. And at some point, you've got to have the balls to go and do that. And like I say, I'm not even thinking about the draft at the minute, but I think. This could be uh, after this season's done. It, it really could be a franchise sort of defining off season. It, it could be the biggest and most important um, off season of probably of recent times. Possibly even dating back into you know when we went all in back in nineteen ninety four. Yeah, ninety three, ninety four. Yeah. It could be that important. This this off season coming. So yeah, at the minute, not really thinking about the draft, but. Like like you, like you said there, I think you've got to go out and probably get two of the main positions we need in free agency, and then pick up your your other one in in the draft. But you know, nothing's given in those drafts, is it? No, definitely not. Right. So uh, hopefully that's answered everybody's questions that uh, posted. Really enjoyed actually answering them questions. It makes you think about some of the different uh, aspects of the game, the yeah. team, the organisation, and and how it's all run in the NFL. So we move on to our tips section. We will leave predictions till the end, so we'll do tips first. And my tip for this episode is about Kizar Stadium and Thanksgiving. Hopefully I haven't already given this tip. I haven't got it marked off as being given. So my tip for this week is, if you were in San Francisco over Thanksgiving, get yourself to Kizar Stadium for the Turkey Bowl. It's the, the bowl game for the San Francisco area high schools. It costs about $8 entry and it's a 10 o'clock kickoff in the morning. And it's a really enjoyable atmosphere, really enjoyable game to watch. And um, it, it just gets you in the mood for the rest of the day. And once that's finished for about 1 o'clock, just outside of Kizar Stadium is a pub called Kizar Pub. And you can just go straight into there, have some food, watch the games. And there's quite a few uh, flat screens in there. And the owner is actually a Liverpool fan. So there's a load of Liverpool memorabilia all around the pub, which is great if you're a Liverpool fan. Not so good if you're Manchester United or Everton. Half of the fan base there. (laughs) (laughs) So so if you're a Liverpool fan, get yourself in. (laughs) Okay, so mine will be that if you're going out there now or for the rest of the season, try and go to a Sharks game. It's, it's really easy to get to. San Jose is really straightforward to get to. You go to the Caltrain station in central San Francisco, not too far from AT&T Park. Get yourself on one of the fast trains straight down into San Jose. And there's loads of places to eat and drink all around um, the arena down there. 
but for me if you really want to try something different go to phil's coffee and i had a tesora which is a coffee with butter in it <laughs> no i've heard about that actually that, that's a good thing to use for runners it, yeah it's it's called a coffee shot yeah. And and the butter, the, the fact that you're getting the butter and the caffeine, um, they recommend you have one of these coffee shots before you do something like either, either a half marathon or a full marathon. I mean, I absolutely love Bakewells and almonds and marzipan and that kind of stuff anyway. So to have something with, and I love love butter, absolutely love butter. So to have a, a coffee with almonds and, and butter in it was uh, was amazing. It was so, so nice. Re- really recommend going into Phil's Coffee. I think there are actually some Phil's in San Francisco itself. The years, yeah. yeah. But we went to one in San Jose, not too far from the arena. Um, but yeah, get yourself down to San Jose, watch a hockey game. It's really good fun. You can do it relatively cheaply. Or if you really want to sit down in the expensive seats, you can pretty much sit, sit rinkside. And it's, yeah, brilliant atmosphere. Um, great team down there. They've got a really good team again this season. Probably should make a good run into the playoffs. And yes, it's a good evening out. And the trains generally will run way beyond overtime as well. So they normally plan in some of those trips back to San Francisco. Um, I think the last train normally is about 20 minutes after overtime finishes. And the station for is literally right across the parking lot. So you, you can't really go wrong depending on, you know, even if you come out on the far side of the arena, it's just a walk around the arena, back across the car park or parking lot into the uh, Caltrain station. So, yeah, fantastic evening. I've done it twice and the trips that I've made out there, um, recommend it to anyone. Fantastic. That's another one going on my list then. Right. Now to the uh, the part that could make us look really stupid, and that is predictions. Uh-huh. The Packers are nine and a half point favourites and the over under, I believe, is set at 46.5. Six and a half, yeah. Yeah. And we've won four of our last five against Green Bay. I did not know that. Yeah. That, well, the last met in 2015, the Packers won 17-3 at Levi's. Right. Well, that was obviously, that completely slipped my memory. I mean, 17-3 games generally do Yeah. Do not live long in the memory, do they? <laughs> so I think I went first last week, so I'm going to let you go first this week, Brian. So I'm going to put my foot in it first, right? Yeah, you are. Okay. Um, do you know what? I think the Packers are probably going to look at this game a bit like we looked at the Cards game last week. They're going to be rubbing their hands and think, well, oh, this is a chance to get a win against a team that we're expected to beat, a chance to rack up some decent statistics, both sides of the ball, chance to get the season back on track, chance to get the offence firing on all cylinders and a confidence-boosting win. And a bit... Uh, I missed out. I missed a key word out of last week's... Um, or, yeah... Last, last week's sort of recap podcast, and that was execution. And I think if um, Green Bay execute, they'll win at a canter. Um, it's a brilliant rivalry. I love the love the rivalry. It spans back over several decades now, back into the especially back in the nineties when I was a kid growing up, watching Brett Favre and Steve Young sling it out against each other. Um, but Green Bay, they're one of these teams that they're even though they're a rival team, I kind of like them. Do you know what I mean? Like. There are some teams yeah. that you just can't like Dallas, Seattle, LA. You know, couldn't possibly even bring myself to even speak nice words of them. But Green Bay, I kind of think, I, I kind of like how it's done there. It's fan owned. It's a small town. Everyone rallies around the team. The whole team, sh- oh, sorry, the whole town shuts down when the team play at home on a Sunday, and probably 
when they play away as well. Yeah. Um, it's going to come down to Rogers staying fit, like we said earlier. If he gets into his rhythm and gets the pass game going, then they're going to cover the spread. Um, I think they're going to, well, not think, I'm pretty sure they're going to beat their average of 23 points per game. 23 sounds about right for us. So with that said, I'm going to go Green Bay 34, San Francisco 23. That's going to hit the over and Green Bay covering the spread. Um, the reason I've gone 23, Robbie Gould is a career 32 or 35 versus Green Bay, which is absolutely brilliant considering the two stadiums that he would have kicked all of yeah. those field goals in yeah. and the weather conditions. So even though the conditions don't tend to be favourable for kicking this week, I fancy him to go start off another streak with a three, three of three performance and a couple of extra points. And yeah, I think the last thing that this team is going to need is a wobbly kicker behind a wobbly offence. So I think it's pretty much imperative that Gould gets another streak underway. That said, if we knock Rogers out of the game, we'll win. But it will be ugly. And I think so I'm sticking with my 34-23 prediction, but I'll say with the caveat that if we can get Rogers out of the game, we'll win, but it's going to be an ugly win and it'll probably be with the under, possibly even overtime, something like a 23-20 or something like that. But I'm sticking with Green Bay win, but if Rogers doesn't play and if Kaiser plays, then we'll win. Right. So can I do that? <laughs> yeah, you, you, you can do that. My mine's going to be more. Mine's going to be simpler and straightforward. So over under, I'm going over. And I think the score will be 28-20 to the Packers. I think Gould will have a couple of field goals. We'll get a couple of touchdowns. But I think that's all we're going to manage out there. Looking at the Green Bay defence, I think they're going to cause us issues. I don't think we're going to be able to pass the ball as well. as certainly what we did last week. Um, running the ball, depending on who's there, is going to be an issue as well. And I just can't see us stopping the Packers through the air. No. I mean, like you've already said, if if Aaron Rodgers plays and plays for the full game, it's going to be very difficult. I'll be happy if we can keep it down to eight points. Yeah. I think going against that type of offense and how well they're playing at the moment, I think that would be it's a moral victory. Is that the right word? It's yeah, not moral victories. One it's, thing it's... I'll say about moral victories is nowhere on earth is there a moral victory um, record book. No, you're right. <laughs> you're right. But after the way we came away feeling from Sunday's game against the Cardinals, to be honest, if we can put up a good performance but fall short, I think that'll go a long way to easing the wounds of mm. the Cardinals game. Because even though we did we did play well against Cardinals. And I won't really get back into that because we've already reviewed that. It, it still hurt a lot and it still is hurting a lot. So, yeah, if we can keep this close, I'll be happy. But I'm going with the Packers winning this 28-20. Yeah, I'll go back to what I said earlier to answer one of those questions. Uh, to compete and to show progression. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I was just wanted to say was that if everyone or to everyone that's going to Wembley this weekend, have fun. Um, I'm not going um, you couldn't pay me to go to London to watch the Raiders and the Seahawks and be surrounded by so much stupidity in one place <laughs> um, <laughs> or something else beginning with an S <laughs> yeah exactly um, yeah you couldn't even begin to even think about contemplating 
even picking one side to win that game, could you? No. It's a disgusting no, no, matchup no. on and off the field. Um, but fair play if you go in, have fun. I'll probably have it on in the background while watching Red Zone. And um, once the Mexican wave goes round, give them the middle finger salute from me. Thank you. And me. Well, <laughs> well you, you've um, actually just done what I was going to do. Oh, okay. And that was to say, everybody have a good time if you're going to the National Series game. Yeah. So, so thank you for that. That's fine. Um, I'm not around next week. Uh, probably won't get to watch the game live. And then I'm busy on my football committee duties Tuesday night. So probably won't get to record. And then I'm playing Wednesday. So I probably won't get around to reviewing the game until possibly Thursday next week. So I'll probably touch on that during our Rams preview show, I guess. And uh, at least then I'll be able to watch the, the game in 40, watch the game back on the telly and then some of the all 22 as well. So yeah, so I'll uh, probably touch on that in next week's preview show. Hopefully I've got a guest host lined up. Uh, we need to test out the connection, make sure it works okay. Excellent. And the recording goes okay. So that, that should be good. We record that Tuesday. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and as far as today's podcast goes, that, that is about it. So thank you very much again for listening, guys. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, I'm certainly enjoying uh, making these podcasts. And um, hopefully it'll continue into the rest of the season and off-season as well. Yes, look forward to it. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers, thank you very much. The San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark Garrison Hurst, stiff farm going 99 Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline NDB, greatest owner of all time Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick We're all students of Bill Walsh, don't ever forget